0: Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com.
1: Man, what a happy, happy, happy Monday it is. Everybody, I'm Spencer Keatsman. Filling in for Pop Song. Kevin Keatsman has Issues. And the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl bound again, the third time in four years. After last night's 23-20 to 20 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely fantastic football game. We're going to jump into it. We'll talk to Stan Weber here in a few moments. He's got some thoughts. I was texting Stan last night after that game ended. He said you need to go back and listen to what I talked about with your dad last week. Because I was right and The Bengals did not match up as well as they had hoped against the Kansas City Chiefs. Stan called that one. He was right on the money on that. And boy, that game starts and things are looking great right away. I'm watching it. And then the Chiefs get held to two field goals inside the red zone in the first quarter. And when that happened, I'm like, oh man, they kind of blew it there. I felt like that was the chance to where you go up 14-0 instead of 6-0, and the way the Chiefs' defense was playing, had they been up fourteen nothing, I think that ball game would have been all but over at that point early on. Um, but Cincinnati did a good job holding Kansas City to a couple field goals there, and the Chiefs were up six to nothing throughout most of the first half of that game, and they looked like the much better team. I I thought the I was very unimpressed with the Bengals in the first half. I didn't. They turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, Burrow wasn't quite on point. Their running game is, is almost, I wouldn't say non-existent. They're just not really that good of a running team. They, they haven't been, even though they've, uh, got Joe Mixon and some other good players that are excellent running backs. They're just not really a running team. Um, but I, I thought that the chiefs and look, they ended up winning So I'm, this is not a crap out session, but it was looking that way at the start that Kansas city, was blowing a couple of opportunities to really take control of the game. This is one of the few times in the playoffs we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs where the defense ended up winning them the football game, which is what happened. Chris Jones was unbelievable. Sneed went down early in the ball game, did not return. The whole Chiefs secondary is a bunch of rookies going up against Jamar Chase, going up against T Higgins. And and <laughs> it just looked they looked amazing out there. The defensive line was so good that Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid weren't really worried about the Bengals burning them deep because they didn't. Joe Burrow didn't have time to throw the football. Uh, that Chiefs pressure was unreal. It was unlike anything the Bengals had seen definitely in the postseason. Buffalo wasn't getting that kind of pressure on them. And definitely against the Ravens, same thing. I mean... It was unbelievable how well the Kansas City Chiefs played on defense, and that's inevitably what won the game. The the, the narrative would be completely different, because even at the end, even after all that, the Chiefs defense plays so well, so well, you still got a game. And it looked like I, I was calling it with my buddies. I was like, Cincinnati's going to be able to get some first downs here, run this clock down, boom, kick your game-winning field goal, it's over. They win again. It was the exact opposite. Kansas City defense held strong forced him to punt. Sky Moore had an amazing punt return, and I think that it, it, I people aren't overlooking it. It's just when you think of all the great things that happened in that game, you're thinking of Chris Jones. You're thinking of Patrick Mahomes' really nice bullet over the middle of the field and then hitting Kelsey for another touchdown where he was leaning on his front foot trying to not put pressure on that back ankle that Mahomes has been fighting. But uh, you think of some of those plays, but you re- the Sky Moore punt return at the end, in my opinion, was as big as anything, because there, there was very, very limited time on the clock for Kansas City, and he took it up the sideline. Nice little 29-yard return, got to about midfield, gave the Chiefs a chance, and then Mahomes is running on third down, picks up the first, and then boom, 15 yards on top of that, he gets slammed to the ground, On the Bengals' sideline, that's a mistake you cannot do. It was 100% the right call. So, Chiefs fans, just get off Twitter. Get off all this nonsense about how the refs screwed the Bengals. You're seeing it everywhere, and I'm I'm not sure I understand why. Because that is 100% the right call. Could you pick apart a few calls in that game? Sure, 100%. I even saw Barstool Sports posted a a tweet about, uh, I can't remember who was, that hit the Bengals tight end. They called it pass interference, and there's a, a Twitter account with 50 million followers or whatever it is retweeting it because it's basically knocking the officials for not making that call. They made that call. That was pass interference. It was obvious. It just feels like w- w- the Chiefs have come to a point now where they're expecting to be in Super Bowls. they are expecting to win AFC Championship games. You're expecting to be hosting them at home at Arrowhead Stadium for the fifth straight year. The the haters want to see you come down. And this is something that, as Kansas City sports fans, we aren't used to this type of behavior. We're not used to having a dynasty-like run. We're not used to that. Other franchises are. For years, Patriots fans were dealing with all the haters. Everyone's trying to bring them down. That's what the Chiefs have become. A lot of people want the Chiefs to lose so bad that... That they're pointing to the officials. Because the Bengals are now that underdog story. Joe Burrow's a cool guy, man. He smokes cigars. The Bengals talked all kinds of ish all week. Everyone thought it was funny. They wanted the Bengals to win. A lot of people did. I know a ton of people out here who have no dog in the fight that would have rather have seen Cincinnati won that game. And they didn't. The Bengals talked that smack all week. Bulletin board material. Burrowhead. All that nonsense. It's... You, you, they act like they had been to four straight Super Bowls and won them, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> it's the same thing with the Bills, too, by the way. The Buffalo Bills, for a team that's never been to a Super Bowl, they talk a lot about Super Bowls the past three, four years. They certainly do. And guess what? They haven't even made it to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> so the, the AFC is still looking up to Kansas City. It has been that way, and it will continue to be that way. Last year, sure, the Chiefs had a little hiccup in the AFC title game, lost to the Bengals. It happens. Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Now, if you're going to talk dynasty, if you're going to talk all that, you got to go beat the Philadelphia Eagles because dynasty means more than one. You can go to them. you got to win them. If you want to be starting to consider a dynasty in the NFL, and the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are on their way to hitting the the peak of this dynasty. There's a window left with some of these players on this team. And they're going to take advantage of it. They 100% are. The narrative would have been a whole lot different today had Cincinnati been able to get a couple of first downs, march downfield to kick a game-winning field goal, just like the Kansas City Chiefs did. It could have gone either way. That was one of those playoff games where the Bengals are really well coached. I love Zach Taylor. I like what they're doing. They're not going to be able to pay all these guys on this team. They've got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase coming up. And guess what? They're going to sign Jamar Chase. That's Burrow's guy. They played in college together. They're an incredible duo. So who knows with the Bengals moving forward, unless they start to get some hometown discounts to some guys, they're not going to be able to keep this whole team together, kind of like Kansas City has. Tyreek Hill, different story. Chase the money. Wasn't willing to stay for the hometown discount. That's why his ass is on the couch right now, and the Chiefs are coming out here to Phoenix. If you want to keep winning, sometimes you got to give up a little cash. you got to sacrifice a little bit of money. Tom Brady did it for years. The Packers tried to do it with Aaron Rodgers, um, but real-time winners will sacrifice a little bit of money. Mahomes, obviously, you're not going to have to worry about that for a while. He's under contract for like eight more years, so you're good there. Uh, But it was an absolutely fantastic football game. So much fun to watch. And the Kansas City Chiefs are back right here in my new hometown of Phoenix. Super Bowl is here. It's also the Phoenix Open weekend. It's going to be an absolutely fun time. If anybody is coming in for the Super Bowl, needs recommendations, where to stay, what to do, what to eat, all that stuff, feel free to email me, uh, rskchevy at gmail.com, rskchevy at gmail.com. Would love to get in touch with some of the listeners for this podcast because I've, I've been a part of it, um, and I've loved being a part of it. It's fun. It's fun for me to do this. It's a little bit of a escape from reality. You know, the radio game is not what I do anymore, so being able to do this and having you all listen has been an absolute blast, so I would like to maybe reach out to some of the listeners there. If you guys are coming to Phoenix, you want to meet up, um, or... You know, just talk about what to do, where to stay here. I can help you out with that. So I would love to just interact and see what we can come up with. There is a great Chiefs Bar here in Scottsdale. I can tell you guys all about it. So, yeah, just drop me a line, and we'll see what we can do. Knife Company. My dad sent me a knife for Christmas. Um, Actually, excuse me, my birthday, which was last week. I just turned 33. My dad sent me a knife. I got the red—oh, gosh, what's this called? It's beautiful. It's one of the—I uh, think it's pretty much their their classic knife. Um, they call it flipping the finch because it's it's not a switchblade. That's illegal. <laughs> but it is one of those flip blades that all you do is pop the button and kind of give it a little flick. Anybody with a pocket knife knows what I'm talking about. Um, they, they know how that works. And it's an absolutely beautiful knife if you want to see what they have to offer Go to finchnifeco.com, uh, FinchKnifeco.com. You can also find them in Kansas City. Uh, there's a few locations that's listed on the website. Teague Tractor, they sell those knives. Shields, the big sporting goods store in Overland Park, you can find them there. And then they're also in the bullet hole. Um, and then there's a few other random places you can find it online. But the best way to take a look at the selection is to go to the Finch Knife Company Dot com. I got a hat as well. I got a t-shirt from the Finch Knife Co. And it's good-looking stuff right there in Stillwell, Kansas. 2018 right there on my hat. So great local company. They make a great product. And, uh, you know, I, I I do enjoy pocket knives. I've used them fishing in the past. I use them for a bunch of different things. And this one that I've got, this specific one, is, is about, I would say, maybe a three to... F- it's probably a three-inch blade. So it's small. Um, it's got a little clip on it fits right there in your pocket or on your belt buckle and it's perfect just for whatever you need it for that's the best thing about a pocket knife is you there's endless amounts of things you could come across in a day-to-day situation where you might need to whip that knife out and and use it so finchknifeco.com, check them out absolutely great product And I I can't recommend it anymore. I'm loving this knife I've got, and it is absolutely beautiful and quality. I mean, it's just a solid, solid knife. Our Monday conversation with Stan Weber is brought to you by Cornerstone Property Management and owner GW Weld, who can offer property owners a great service. At one point, he owned a bunch of properties while still working his full-time job. Decided, hey, this property management thing is the way to go. I'm going to do that full-time because I can handle my properties the right way and he can do the same thing for you. They collect rent, they find uh, tenants for your properties. So they will also buy your property and turn it into something that they wanna use it for. If you've got a home, you've got some property somewhere, you're not quite sure what to do with it, maybe you just inherited it or you just stumbled across it somehow, give GW to call at Cornerstone Property Management. You can get a free consultation online. At home with cornerstone.com. let the rental work for you. Also brought to you by Earth Effects Outdoor Living, and it's time for you to jump on board with Earth Effects Outdoor Living to give you that backyard or outdoor lifestyle that your home deserves that you've always dreamed of. Go to the website. It's eeoutdoor.com. You will find some of the many beautiful projects that daniel hanks has done in the kansas city area for earth effects outdoor living they also they're also a full service landscape company they'll take care of your needs there um, with your yard he's got over 25 years experience in the industry the first time i talked to daniel he said he got on a lawn mower when he was 16 and it was game over from then he knew what he wanted to do with his career and he treats every project like it's his own house Earth Effects is part of the family here at Kevin Keatsman. Has Issues. You can expect honest integrity and great conservative values. Again, online at eeoutdoorliving.com for a free consultation. Give them a call, 816-478-7700. That's 816-478-7700. Daniel and the boys would love to hear from you. His team is absolutely fantastic. He can make anything that you want to have happen with your yard look great. So please give them a call. All right. Monday Conversation with Stan Weber. Let's hit it.
0: Roberts Robinson's Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com.
1: And now we bring on the quarterback, Stan Weber, who... I'm sure was glued to the television with both games yesterday as we were. Obviously, the the Kansas City game being the more entertaining game we've seen um, in the AFC Championship. And every time, the, I mean, it's the Invitational now at Arrowhead. They've been playing in it the last five years, and every single one of those games has just been an absolute doozy. Uh, Stan, we'll get into that, but first I'd like to congratulate uh, to you as a father and uh, your son, Stanton being promoted to uh, special teams coordinator at the University of Toledo. That's pretty cool, man. Congrats.
0: Well, thank you, Spencer, so much. Uh, so good to talk to you. And uh, obviously love having Kevin around, but it's nice when you're able to step in and you're talking about how much fun it is to talk about the next generation. You doing this podcast for your dad, mm-hmm. uh, watching you grow up in a relationship that we've been able to have. Same thing with Kevin, uh, watching Stanton and my kids grow up. So it was great uh, to see him get a breakthrough. He was at South Carolina as an analyst, got to do a lot of great work and mm-hmm. hit the best special teams in the country this year. Uh, but this he this time he's a real coach, can go out and recruit, do anything and everything, and run the special teams for Toledo who won the MAC Conference. So it's a big step up for him. He's excited about it. And, Spencer, this weekend we were actually able to get our whole family together. And the reason why that is relevant is not so much for this podcast other than we were able to stay together at the Bluemont Hotel. Now, normally, with my in-laws living in Manhattan, we have a place there all the time. So people say, how do you go to Manhattan 50-plus times a year? And and if you don't want to drive back, do you want to come over to my house? I have so many people ask me that. And I go, no, no, I got my own place, I mean, like my own apartment at my in-laws. So that happened to be filled up. We went to the hotel. We went to the Bluemont, and, man, did Andy Suber. Uh, The owner and uh, the Bluemont Hotel do a great job for us. So you talk about a weekend of celebration uh, right next to Aggieville Mm -hmm. uh, for Stanton being a special teams coordinator, our whole family being together, and very rare for me to be in a hotel in Manhattan. I got to tell you, that's not something that's normal for me. Uh, And here I was at the Bluemont, so I just want to give a shout out to Andy and the Bluemont Hotel. What a great experience. I can't tell People enough. If you want to have the most convenience in the world and the most fun right outside your door, plus a great hotel, great service, great food right there in the hotel, Goolsby's is hooked up. You don't have to walk outside in mm-hmm. this cold weather. So can't say enough good things about the Bluemonts. And so you kind of set that up without us talking about it. But that's <laughs> Stanton was there. He was at the Bluemont this weekend.
1: That's awesome. I've actually I had a fantasy football draft there. A couple years ago, and we had a we had a great time. Um, I've been in that hotel a couple times now. It is absolutely beautiful, as you said. Um, so the Chiefs last night after the game, we were texting, and and uh, you were getting me to go back and listen to uh, your interview with my father earlier last week, and I did. And when you first texted me, I thought I'm like, no way, did Stan really predict this game would come down to a Bengals penalty that would cost them the game, and <laughs> it kind of did um first off the the call is correct by the rule obviously I don't think that there was any malice intention um by throwing met Patrick Mahomes down to the ground but it it was definitely the right call and that's what put the Chiefs in field goal range to end it so let's just start right there what were your thoughts on those events that transpired on that last drive
0: well the Chiefs uh were not in the good situation it was unlikely with the Bengals defense being as good as it was that they could get into scoring position Mm -hmm. we were facing overtime right in the face again and we have new rules in the NFL because of last year's playoff games Uh, when you think about that Buffalo game especially Mm -hmm. each team is going to get the ball no matter if a touchdown scored on the first possession of overtime that'll be the first time in history it happened and it looked like it was going to and then all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes on a bad ankle rolls out, starts running, and picks up a first down, still unlikely that they're going to get a field goal opportunity until the shove occurs. It's a 15-yard penalty. You know, it has to be called. Uh, If you're a Bengals fan, you're saying you're going to decide a game on this. Well, remember D. Ford lining up offsides against the New England Patriots? You, You say, well, we're not going to call offsides because that may decide the game. You can't have it that way. So the Chiefs know both sides of this. Uh, It's an unfortunate call for the Bengals. The Chiefs don't have to go to overtime. They get the kick. Harrison Butker steps up and knocks it through. Sky Moore, uh, people didn't want him punt returning for the Chiefs anymore. Mm -hmm. He comes up with a 29-yard punt return every inch of field position that was gained on the punt before because some people said on the previous possession, boy, the Chiefs need to go for fourth down. They punted the ball back. But every inch of turf uh, or grass in this case, a field position made a difference because Harrison Buckler's kick was very good. And with that wind affecting things as much as it did in Arrowhead at that point, uh, it was a very good kick, but still wasn't that much over the crossbar Mm. at 45 yards. So it was just a great ending for the Chiefs, but they were the better team. They controlled the game. And, you know, I, I was talking to you or texting with you last night, just to make sure you could understand the context with which we rolled forward to get to this date. Because when I, Talked to Kevin starting on Monday. He was saying that all of his friends were looking at that Bengal game and the domination they had over the Buffalo Bills and said, well, the Bengals are rolling. They beat the Chiefs three straight times. Uh, Watch out. Cincinnati's going to win this game. And I started the week saying, no, no, no. Cincinnati does not play perfect games Mm -hmm. hardly ever. They did against Buffalo, by the way. From start to finish, they played perfectly. But my statement, Spencer, has always been, The Bengals, when they play their best, are elite and maybe the best team in the NFL, but they give you about a quarter and a half of time where they don't look like themselves. And every game, they do it this year until that Buffalo game. And I said, just go back and watch two weeks before when they should have been beaten by the Ravens. Go to the third game before that, the last regular season game, where everything went right for Cincinnati in the first few minutes. And then Baltimore actually played them evenly in Cincinnati the rest of the way. So... This Cincinnati team is really dangerous, uh, so it's a big-time win for the Chiefs to get through the game. But I thought the Chiefs were the better team. And you go back and watch this game, You know, Patrick Mahomes has the crazy slip-the-ball-from-his-hand fumble. They give Cincinnati momentum, great field position. Uh, that still allowed Cincinnati to only tie the game. Spencer, you go back and watch it objectively without the emotions of being a Chiefs fan or a Bengals fan. You go, Chiefs led – or we're tied the whole game. Cincinnati never led in the game, so it was really the Chiefs being good. The pass rush this year is different than last year. We said that going in the game, and think about five sacks, four early setting the tone, but five sacks in the ball game, yeah. two interceptions, and a nice red zone slash goal line stand right before the half. Think of the Bengals would have scored a touchdown right before halftime rather than have to settle for the field goal as time ran out. But the Chiefs had to defend two plays down there inside the five. So just an overall really good game by the Chiefs. The Bengals are so good that they kept it close. And, yes, it's worth being fearful that maybe the Bengals were going to find a way to win that game. I have no problem with that. People listening to this podcast who've done it for a long time know I have the greatest respect for Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals, and so I do respect them as a big-time team. In fact, again, in a podcast I was saying let's play Buffalo in Atlanta. Uh, I'd rather play Buffalo in Atlanta than Cincinnati at home. But I am good. I, mean, I am glad for the NFL, Spencer, that mm-hmm. the game ended up not being quirky. You know wh- wh- right. what? in Atlanta? You know this is this is the way it should have been. You should have been played in a home stadium, played in Arrowhead. It makes this whole season feel a lot cleaner. Uh, there's there's not the ugliness of what about not playing a regular season game and how those things affected us. Uh, this this was real life, big time football. Chiefs are the better team get to go on to the Super Bowl. And I know you may be young enough that you're starting to take this for granted, like three oh, out of four. This is the dominant area. But j- just think about, it. forget this dominant era for a second and think that this is only the fifth time the Chiefs have ever been in the Super Bowl. Fifth ever. Let's don't ever uh, not value this. So it's going to be so much fun seeing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I think they'll be even more healthy going into the last, this week's game. I fully expected... Uh, Patrick Mahomes to to do fine and well. And if you happen to listen to the broadcast with Tony Romo, he was describing things about how he thought the pressure was off Mahomes. He kind of had an underdog mentality. Mm -hmm. He will play with a different style because of his ankle, but still be very effective. All those things that Tony Romo was pointing out is basically the same thing I was saying last week in that podcast. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, Spencer, or if you took the same thing. But when I said – I think I even used the words advantage to the Chiefs that Patrick Mahomes had an ankle injury. It's all about the psychology, the buildup of the game, how he would play the game. The things Romo was talking about is exactly what I was focused in on last week when I said I thought the Chiefs were the better team and would win the game.
1: I I think going into this, knowing that Mahomes had the injury, and yes, I do agree with, with Tony Romo. And some of the things he said about, you know, the underdog mentality. It, it, there's, there's no question. Kansas City took this personal. There was a lot of bulletin board material posted up by the Cincinnati Bengals, and I, I just fueling the fire, I guess. But I'm, I'm, I, I would be surprised. I went into this game saying there's no way in heck that if Kansas City only ran the ball for 41 yards on the ground. They would win this football game, and sure enough, they did. The Chiefs' running game was pretty non-existent. The Bengals' running game as well, although while a little bit more effective than Kansas City's, was also a little non-existent. And I I was also thinking, too, the Chiefs came up, if you remember in the first quarter, Chiefs were inside the red zone twice. They got two field goals out of it. I'm like, oh, no that was the chance right there. They should have came up with 14 points, but the defense buckled down, did their thing. All those sacks you mentioned, I believe four of the five were actually in the first quarter, at least three of the five, right? So they came out, shut the Bengals down offensively pretty much that entire first half. what you make of that defensive performance? You could argue that Chris Jones is the MVP of that championship game.
0: Yeah, Chris Jones, a star player for the Chiefs, and he showed up, finally got those sacks at the end of the game you know, critical time where the Chiefs got a sack when it looked like, hey, the Bengals are finally with the football, late-game situation. They may have a chance to win. You know, you go back to the mentality that I bring into the game. There's two things I thought about the Bengals uh, that maybe you didn't get a feel for in a Buffalo game. They're not a good running team. Okay, the Bengals are not a good running team. So I am the least surprised guy in the world that they didn't have balance in their offense, couldn't hurt the Chiefs running the football. The other thing I talked about mentioned a little bit earlier with you here is that they play I, I called it a quarter and a half is what I spoke about last week where they just don't look like themselves and that quarter and a half occurred right at the beginning of the game they went into what the, midway through the second quarter was zero yards the Bengals had zero yards and you can credit the Chiefs all day long and, and that's fine I, I agree with that take credit when it's your team but overall Cincinnati doesn't look perfect all game There's there's a stretch where they give you a chance and you better make hay at that time And what you were talking about, Spencer, is where the risk came in. Because the Chiefs were dominating the game and led only Mm 6-0. And you go, "Uh uh-oh, is this going to cost them? Because the Bengals are going to have their time. And I think in the end, it did cost them in the fact that the Chiefs weren't separated. Right at the end of the game when it's tied or Cincinnati had the ball, that opening only came about because when Cincinnati wasn't playing well, the Chiefs didn't maximize their scores. Right. But one of the things that pulled them out, uh, and you know, was game time situation. How about when the Chiefs were up six nothing, and now they have a fourth down. Rather than take a field goal, get a two score lead, and lead nine nothing, they could have done that. They went for fourth down, and that was like quadruple or nothing. I have no criticism for going for a fourth down, or no super hug for Andy for saying you got to score a touchdown, but when Patrick Mahomes, along with Travis Kelsey, on a long play. Not as you drawn it up, just those two guys working together end up with a touchdown, at least at that point, you have 13 points, right? So now it's 13 to three. It could have been six to three at that fourth down would have been stopped. So making uh, your move and getting points on your side of the scoreboard when the Bengals don't play well, whatever part of the game it is, you better do that. And you could argue that touchdown was so important. Uh, you know if they would have only gone up nine to three, Maybe the Bengals would have come back and won. The goal line stand right before the half I thought was a real emotional point in the game, If the Bengals would have scored a touchdown there. They may have been the team that won the game because, again, the Bengals' best – I said this during the last week – the Bengals' best play, you know, their best points in the game are better than the Chiefs' best in my mind. But the Bengals don't play a consistent game, and they give you an opportunity for about a quarter and a half to outplay them tremendously, and what do you do with that? And for the Chiefs, that was 13-6 to 6, or 13-3, to 3, depending on what your point in time you want to reference. But going to the half, they were getting the ball to start the second half with a touchdown lead, and sure enough, here came the Bengals back. The Chiefs were better long enough, but it was scary because if they would have scored two touchdowns early in the game, this would have been over because they were dominating. How about if, how about if it would have been 14 to nothing, Chiefs scoring on their first two drives, and even the third drive the Chiefs score, even if they kick a field goal, they lead seventeen nothing. Three three drives, three scores late in the second quarter, and the Bengals have not got a yard. Mm-hmm. You know that's how you put the game away. Chiefs weren't able to do that. Credit the Bengals for being able to fight, but the Chiefs' defensive backfield was strong all game long. And I love Sneed. I think he's a dominant player. Uh, after you get past uh, the big guy Jones, Chris Jones is their best defender. Then I love Snead as the second best, and he was hurt early, but the rookies stood up. They did not allow the receivers to be open at any point. The tackling was good. The Chiefs' defense really showed up. They're an improved version this year. They're better against the run. They're better tackling. They're faster, and Nick Bolton has grown up. He's just a force in the middle of the line. Chris Jones played great. The pass rush is better. These are all reasons why the Chiefs are a better team this year even without Tyreek Hill. Everyone now wants to act like Tyreek Hill wasn't any good. You know, we never needed him. I'm telling you, losing Tyreek Hill was a step back. But you can do it with other things. Get better on defense. Have Patrick Mahomes get better from the pocket. And he sure enough did. So the Chiefs, uh, just a great performance. Now you got to go prove it. Because most of the year, Spencer, we thought whoever won the AFC was going to be a heavy favorite in the Super Bowl. It's just the, the AFC stacked with quarterbacks and teams, and here we go. But as the year unfolded, the Philadelphia Eagles and Travis Kelsey's brother, uh, the, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jason Kelsey, is like, ah, you better watch out. We're pretty good as well. I thought the Niners were legitimate until they lost all their quarterbacks, even during the game. Uh, we got stolen from on Sunday because we didn't get two great championship games. We just There was no chance San Francisco could compete after losing both their quarterbacks no. in the game. But when you go to the Super Bowl, you got to reload and reset because this is a game that's going to be worth evaluating. And we'll do it here uh, next week, I'm sure, when Kevin is back from his golf trip. But the Eagles are legitimate. So this isn't like AOC champs, here we go, we're going to win the Super Bowl. You got to go respect your opponent. And again, this may be the best news for the Chiefs of all because walking into a Super Bowl and just acting like it's easy and you're the favorite is not an appropriate way to go into a game. So two weeks of buildup where you really go, man, those Eagles are good. They're really good. And that helps the Chiefs, I think, bring the best humble side out. Uh, not being the favorite, I think, makes the Chiefs even more dangerous. And, and that's what happened in a Cincinnati game. Cincinnati basically was the, the team everyone said, oh, they're probably going to win. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes' ankles not going to be able to get it done. That was a perfect psychological setup for the Chiefs to get to work and win. And uh, it may be again for the Eagles, but they're going to have to win the Super Bowl uh, with a legitimate performance because this is a tough, tough Philadelphia team they're going to face.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And obviously the Super Bowl here in Phoenix, both of these teams in the Super Bowl played in the stadium earlier this year in September. Look at and... <laughs> you. Look at you saying here in Phoenix. Here yeah. in Phoenix. Oh, look. So you're not freezing today, huh? No. Just, are, is not. that
0: just a humble brag? Are you just trying to remind me and everyone listening in Kansas City? I know this podcast can go everywhere. You know, you can hear it overseas. You can hear it internationally or in the United States. But, man, (laughs) you just reminded me, you have beautiful weather today. Well, we're freezing here. So are you going to host, like, 75 people? Are you going to have a party every night for people wanting to
1: come down, your friends from Kansas City? What's up? You know, I would love to say that's true, but at the same time, my day-to-day life still has to go on, and I don't think I could handle – uh, that type of, of, <laughs> of partying for two straight weeks. I mean, that, that, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot of Chiefs and Eagles fans out here. A lot of them do, in fact, live here. And like you said with the weather, I was watching the game in my shorts yesterday. Uh, while it was already dark and about 12 degrees in Kansas City, the sun was still out here, and it was about 68 degrees. So I um, stepped outside at halftime just to get some fresh air, and I was like, man, this is a, it's a really nice evening out here in the Valley. But regardless, um, I was watching the game with an Eagles fan. My buddy James, who is my neighbor, is born and raised in Philadelphia. He's a big-time Philly sports fan, obviously. And I, I asked him before the game because they had already won. I said, who would you rather play? He said, I'd rather play Kansas City because I feel like it gives the whole Andy Reid era from Philadelphia a little bit of closure in a way. And I, I'm i like, okay, I can see that. You know, things come full circle. Andy finally got his Super Bowl after they left Philadelphia. But Andy Reid is still fresh on a lot of Eagles fans' minds and how that was handled there. Should he have been forced out? Should he had not been forced out? And that's something that... That Eagles fans still talk about to this day. It's obviously worked out for them as well. They won a Super Bowl after Andy Reid departed. So both of these teams in the last five years have a Super Bowl ring and now they're playing together. Uh, I think Philly's a two point favorite to open up. I would be I would be shocked if that line didn't swing at all. This week and leading up to the big game, but first thoughts on this matchup: these two teams are a little familiar with each other, but not not like the the Bengals and the Chiefs are, you know. So this is going to be a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I think Super Bowls um, and like World Series, it's fun to see teams that they haven't played against each other, and you just have that intrigue. Like, how's this matchup going to go? Uh, the two top seeds in the NFL and the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, cleared everybody. They Even losing a couple games when Jalen Hurts was not available at the end of the year Mm -hmm. made you wonder how good Philadelphia was. But even with that, they've got the best record in the NFC. They're the number one seed. And they went to work. It's historic what they did, winning their two playoff games by 21 points or more. Mm -hmm. If you go back and look at the teams that have done that in the history of the NFL, these are some of the most dominant teams in NFL history, the 89 Niners, the 88 Niners, 85 Bears. I mean, there's just a few, I think, five teams. But if I mention the 1989 San Francisco 49ers, you may say, yeah, whatever. I'm telling you, uh, they. I've studied this enough. They are one of the most dominant teams in the history of the NFL. And every NFL fan remembers the 85 Bears and says they deserve a thought to be in the best team in NFL history. So that's the kind of thing philadelphia is matching in their playoffs does that matter because the niners weren't the niners oh maybe maybe that's a good cause but the eagles are for real they really have no weaknesses if there is a weakness on a team it's what you're talking about the coaching staff they're pretty new to this they're in their second year coaching this team so how ready are they for andy Reid and the experience of going to the super bowl and the two weeks of hype and all of that that maybe is a question mark but you look at the eagles jalen Hurts until he got hurt, was legitimately in a race with Patrick Mahomes for the MVP of the league. He can run. He's thrown the ball more accurately and grown up as a quarterback. Their running game is great because their offensive line is dominant. They're physical. They can pass protect. They can run. They've got good running backs. Their wide receiving core is elite. They got a Heisman Trophy, wide receiver in Smith. They mm-hmm. got a, a guy that they brought in from the Tennessee Titans, who's big and strong. They've got everything on offense. Then you look at the defense, Their quarterbacks are two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Their defensive line has Indama Kinsu, that Nebraska star player who's mm-hmm. been with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a no-name backup. I mean, he's just like he's a guy they roll in because they got Fletcher Cox in there. So the defense for the Eagles is also a strength of the team. There is no weak, weakness in the Eagles other than maybe inexperience. But you got to look back and say the organization knows a little bit about winning. You're talking about a matchup in this Super Bowl of the 2017 Super Bowl season champs and the 2019 Chiefs. So they've each won the Super Bowl in recent history. Uh, for The Andy Reid question for me, like, should they have let him go after 14 years? If I'm an Eagles fan or an analyst uh, anywhere objectively, I'm like, no. Right. That was dumb. But they did win a Super Bowl, and now they're back with another coaching staff. So you can't argue like it's been a complete disaster. But Andy Reid, uh, being a Dallas Cowboy fan, I knew all about what he brought to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know how the Chiefs win the division every year yep. and just roll in division games? This is not a, this is not the first time it happened. I mean, he's only 10 years. Think about that. 10 years as a Chiefs coach doesn't even compare to 14 years as the Eagles coach. And the whole time what he does is win divisions dominate division foes in matchups head-to-head. And so letting Andy Reid go was a mistake. Picking him up before when it was rumored that he may be leaving Philadelphia and the Chiefs had an opening, I was on your dad's show between the lines on Sports Radio 810 WHB saying the Chiefs need to get Andy Reid. I was telling him before he'd even let go by Philadelphia. That's the guy to get. Philadelphia may be getting tired of him, and he is going to win. And so that was the easiest call for me because I'd seen him uh, dominate in the NFC East and studied him so closely. So there's going to be a, a ton of intrigue because of his story at Philadelphia. We're going to hear a little bit about Dick Vermeil. How about that? Yeah. You know, he was such a legend for Philadelphia. He took them to the 1980 Super Bowl season and 81 Super Bowl. I don't talk about, I don't, I don't call this 2023. Okay. <laughs> to me, it's a 2022 season. Just to make that clear to you, Spencer. Uh, yeah. So in, in 1980, Dick Vermeil got the Eagles over the hump and into the Super Bowl, but they couldn't win. And then Andy Reid did it. So then he was a Chiefs coach. So now you got both of those guys, really two great teams. And how about this for a little local flavor? When the championship game started yesterday, something that was a little understated, but we need to take some pride in around here, is three of the four quarterbacks were Big 12 quarterbacks. Yep. And now, when we get ready for the Super Bowl, two of them, both of them, are Big 12. Now, you might say that Jalen Hurts is more Alabama in your mind than Oklahoma. I'll give you that. But he did finish his year Oklahoma, second in the Heisman Trophy. He played at Oklahoma. Purdy uh, played at Iowa State, and obviously Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. So we got two Big 12 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and in an era where they act like only good play is done in the SEC. How about that? The most important position in football, quarterbacks. The two, I think they get first and second in the voting for MVP yep. in the NFL in 2022. Uh, you're looking at him, Patrick Mahomes first, Jalen Hurts second. This is going to be a heck of a game, and I can't wait to study it more, break it down, see how these teams match up. Because while I thought Cincinnati was an excellent team, I, I've been on Cincinnati so long it's unbelievable. But last week when I spoke to your dad right away, I'd studied the matchup enough, and i go, nope, Chiefs match up well with the Bengals this year, this time, and it's because of an improved pass rush. It's the fact the Bengals cannot run the football very well. That They're going to be at Arrowhead Stadium, and it really helped, I thought, that the Bengals became the favorite somehow. How crazy is that? Chiefs, five straight AFC championships and games and an Arrowhead. It's incredible. We're going back to the Super Bowl, Spencer, three mm-hmm. out of four years. And we're heading to your place. I can't wait to see how many requests you get to say, hey, <laughs> Spencer, can you hook up with me? Let's just go get a beer. You know, maybe next Thursday or Friday, get ready for the Super Bowl. You're going to have so many people wanting you to tell them where is the place to go. Where should we have fun? What should we do? Uh, it's pretty cool, I bet, for you to see the big red wave of Kansas City Chiefs fans heading your way.
1: Well, it also ties in with the uh, the Phoenix Open weekend here. And uh, that's a huge event. Hundreds of thousands of people come in town for that golf tournament alone. And every eight years here in the Valley, the Super Bowl, also in Phoenix, falls on the same weekend, of course. So it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a great time to be here. There's just a lot going on. Uh, going to have to... Give give I'll give my suggestions to people. Will I be going out with them every night? Absolutely not. I just can't I can't uh, do that. I, I just can't. It, it's amazing to me too. All four times that Mahomes and Burrow have met up, I believe each of those four games was decided by three points. So I mean, looking That's exactly to, right. That is That's exactly right. Insane. Uh, real quick, Stan. Before I get you out of here, just want to talk some college basketball real quick. Uh, my buddy James, who I mentioned, also a big time Villanova fan they're having a terrible year that's another story but um he, he, we were talking about the big 12 and I was saying I don't think that there's a chance the big 12 is going to be able to keep a keep, keep a team in in the top five all year let alone have a one seed just because they're all beating each other and they're all really good Kansas State sneaks into the top five I shouldn't say sneak they deserve to be there but tough game in Ames didn't get the win in overtime in Ames Iowa State's a great team there's no question about that I don't think the Big 12 is going to be able to keep a team in the top five because they're all beating each other. I mean, what do you make of, one, that, and two, Kansas State had a pretty good win over Florida yesterday, that year, or two days ago, that you were there to see as well?
0: Well, beating each other up is definitely true. Uh, you, you might not have one team stay in the top five, but they may take turns bouncing up into the top ten, I should say. Uh, K-State and KU last week were ranked in the top ten. They're playing – on Tuesday night, the second game of the series, K-State won in overtime in the first game in Bramlage. Is one of the reasons why they're ranked fifth in the country. Mm-hmm. Lost to Iowa State last week in a good game, a four-pointer, 80-76. to The thing that might save the Big 12 was the numbers say the Big 12 is the best conference by far right. compared to the other conferences. But once you start playing each other, you wonder, will the respect still stay there? Well, there was one prove-it moment. There was one time that you could verify or change the perception, and that was last Saturday when 10 games were played between the Big 12 teams and separate SEC teams, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Now think about this. Two years ago, the Big 12, with the reputation of being a much bigger basketball conference, actually went 5-5 five and five in those games against the SEC. And you shake your head and go, well, well that maybe didn't prove out the way you want. And last year, the SEC actually won for mm-hmm. the first time in a long time. They won six out of the ten games, and that really put a curveball into the perception that the Big 12 was a great basketball conference. Well, this year, the Big 12 has its best reputation ever. There's never been so much separation between the national pundits thinking and the numbers showing the net, everything else, how great the Big 12 is compared to the next best conference. And here you go in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and the Big 12 proved it. They won seven out of ten games, including Kansas on a three-game losing streak, going to Kentucky against a team that matched up against Kansas perfectly. Sheboy, the giant inside guy who will get 15 rebounds a game sometimes against Kansas' undersized interior. And guess what? KU went and won the game. KU beat Kentucky in Rupp Arena. K-State took care of Florida in businesslike fashion. And so the Big 12 winning seven of the ten games – kept its reaction high. So, Spencer, I think they're going to be rewarded. I think the Big 12 is going to get not only rankings, but in the tournament, they are looking at, man, eight, maybe threaten nine of the ten teams going to the NCAA tournament still available. All ten are in the running right now. For instance, West Virginia is in second to last place in the Big 12. They are stumbling and, and, and stammering around at two and six. And Joe Lenardi of ESPN has them as the last four in the tournament, and that's before they beat Auburn, a ranked team, on Saturday. So the Big 12, I think think they protected their reputation. I think things are going to be just fine. I don't know if they'll get a number one seed or multiple. Like you're right, they may beat each other too much, uh, just with the competition that's left in the conference. But still, the Big 12 has been amazing to see K-State at the top of the conference, KU one game behind. It's really cool, and I always value the chance to play these rivalry games. With conference realignment, Spencer, you just can't take for granted. You know, who would have ever thought that Missouri and Kansas wouldn't be playing games now? Who would have ever thought that 20 yep. years ago? And now they rarely get a play. So I value every one of these opportunities for K-State to play KU. in which obviously, is the most fun for me because that's the one home game against KU each year. K-State got the job done and won that ball game. But Allen Fieldhouse, obviously, uh, living in the Kansas City metropolitan area, is really close. It's a special place. And if K-State can ever get a win there, it means even more. So K-State-KU on Tuesday night, kind of a feature game for the whole country for the Big 12. But like you said, one of them is going to have a loss. And so here we go, beating each other up. It'll be fun to see uh, the game, how close it is, how well K-State can play on the road. A fun week here. Uh, I, I tell you what, when we get over there, in Lawrence tomorrow, Spencer, you know, as broadcasters, we mm-hmm. get there two hours before the game easy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of settled. And the media starts coming in and certain people. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, you cannot create this kind of joy. Everyone's going to be looking at each other saying, what about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Everyone's going to have a big smile on their face talking about the Chiefs game. And then they're going to immediately convert over and talk about what a game we're going to have tonight. I mean, this is going to be unbelievable. Great competition right here. So everyone is going to have so much fun even before the game starts. And then the team that wins is going to have a, a ton of joy for the rest of the week and maybe for two weeks. But it's it's fun when you get with the Kansas City and the regional media at KU versus K-State right after a Chiefs win and, and going to the Super Bowl. Everyone wants to compare their stories, where they were, who they saw, what they think is going to happen. And you get, a, get the dual effect of big-time basketball in Super Bowl level football—it's pretty good to be in our region right now, Spencer. If you want to come back and visit, I'll be there. Put some coats on, <laughs> take your shorts off. We'll be glad to have you.
1: <laughs> and for those uh, that will not be attending the game at Allen Fieldhouse, you have about 36 hours to subscribe to ESPN Plus to be able to see that basketball game. So. How about that? Our radio list. <laughs> hey.
0: This is great for us, Spencer. I'm on the K State Radio Network. We may have the greatest audience in a long, long time. <laughs> you might because not yeah. everybody can get ESPN plus.
1: No, that's true. Stan, thank you so much for your time. Uh enjoy the call on that game in Allen Fieldhouse. Hopefully the power stays on this time in Allen like it unlike it did in the women's game the other day. That was Kind of interesting to see that the game was delayed because the, the power in the whole building went out. So hopefully they figured that out over there in Lawrence. And uh, Stan, have a good call. Enjoyed your insight on the football. And hopefully we'll talk uh, soon together on this podcast.
0: Thank you, Spencer. I'm glad it's not SK has issues because I know you got everything in order, man. It's KK has issues. Everybody remember, if you're going to Manhattan, you need a place to stay, go to the Bluemont Hotel. Yes. What an amazing job they do.
1: All right, Stan, thank you.